Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely sensational discussion with the head strength and conditioning coach from the St. Louis Blues, Eric Renahan. And guys, Eric's going to dive right in talking about rebuilding the culture and things that they've done out there in St. Louis uh, to help get the guys to buy in and figure out better ways to provide for the athletes that they have out there. Uh, he then goes right into how they've looked at some performance metrics and kind of correlated them versus some training metrics to build KPIs for their athletes in order to figure out better ways to develop them for the club. Uh, Eric then dives into communication and working with athletes at all levels, talking about how they handle the kids from the juniors through college, the AHL, all the way up to the show, and how that works with them working with um, the specific athlete's individual strength coach in order to continue the athlete's development all the way throughout their career. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Eric, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Absolutely. It's my honor. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, for like the three quarters of a human being listening that, that doesn't know where you are and how you got in there with the blues, uh, 
How about you give us a quick little background, uh, you know, who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, and, uh, and how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Eric Renahan. I'm the head strength and conditioning coach with St. Louis Blues. Um, I'm in my third, going into my third season here uh, in St. Louis. Uh, prior to uh, coming here, I was with uh, Vancouver Canucks and uh, started off in the NHL with the San Jose Sharks. So I, I, I kind of moved my way up through the ranks a bit. Uh, I'm from California, Bay Area guy. So I, I worked with some of the uh, universities in the Bay Area. I went to uh, grad, uh, my undergrad at San Jose State in kinesiology. Um, I guess how I got into strength and conditioning, uh, you know, I was a, a athlete growing up. I played baseball and soccer. And I guess uh, in hindsight, I probably should have you know, been better uh, at spending time trying to get better at my sports. But I really love strength and conditioning. And I love the, the guys that I had coaching me in strength and conditioning. And, and that's, you know, really, really spent a lot of my effort. So um, that's what drove me to become a, a strength and conditioning coach. And, and um, fortunately, I've worked for and had the opportunity to um, spend time with a lot of great uh, experienced uh, professionals and and the, they've been the ones that have kind of helped me along the way to, to drive me to get better and to uh, get to where I'm at so um, you know right now I'm finishing up my uh, graduate degree in biomechanics at Lindenwood University in St. Louis so um, you know I'm always trying to get better and uh, at the end of the day it's to make my athletes better so uh, that's a little bit about myself. Awesome man and, and you know bouncing around in the league is, is always something that is a an interesting challenge especially when you're going to to, to teams that are kind of at different levels. And, and you guys right now have been going through a little bit of a transitional rebuild um, out there in St. Louis. So mm -hmm. let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, I don't think that's something that people truly understand, like what it's like coming into a situation where you're trying to kind of reset what's been going on in a, with a team that was having some pretty good success. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, I had the opportunity to work for uh, Mike Potenza in San Jose, uh, he was the, the the guy that gave me my opportunity in the NHL, and, and then I moved into a, a role with the Vancouver Canucks, and that was uh, where I learned a lot more about bridging the gap between being a, a sports scientist and a strength and conditioning coach, and, and they had a lot of uh, uh, progressive ways of doing things when I went up to the Canucks, and so I when I came to St. Louis, uh, you're right. They, there is a little bit of a transition. So uh, the year before I came here, they were in the Western Conference Finals, lost to the Sharks. Uh, so they were a couple of games away from making it to the Stanley Cup. And uh, in that time, there's been a, a big change in the coaching staffs. Um, a lot of the personnel has changed, and, and including the players. And so we're in a situation here now where we're trying to uh, rebuild that um, culture uh, with the personnel, with the with the new coaching staff, and within an organization that had been successful for a really long time, um, but may, maybe needing a little bit of tweak to kind of how we did things around here. So um, we're we're trying to bring in some new ways of uh, operations, new ways of um, working with our athletes and monitoring our athletes to make sure that we're providing them with everything they need so that they can produce on the ice and be available to the um, to the organization. So um, you know, I'm in year three and, and we're starting to kind of see some of those changes um, and, and see some of that come to fruition here. But it's it's definitely been a tough road to uh, to work through that. So let's talk about some of those some of those bumps in the road or some of these changes or, or ways that you've been able to 
kind of uh, elicit these behavior and, and cultural changes within the organization? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Nelson Ao, who was here, who was uh, before I got here, he was the strength and conditioning coach. He's now with Columbus. Uh, he did a great job instilling, um, you know, a desire to, to get strong and train ath- and the way he trained athletes. And um, what I wanted to do is build off of that. Uh, but I also wanted to add a little bit more uh, from my experiences in Vancouver and San Jose on the technology side of things. Um, I, I brought in a few uh, few additions like heart rate monitoring um, for practice, for return to play. Uh, and, and again, what we did with that was we had to build the trust with the athletes to get them to buy in to the fact that we were going to start monitoring heart rates regularly and, and how we were going to use information. Um, one of the other things I brought in were force plates and um, you know, I've been fortunate to have some exposure uh, with force plates from some really smart people. And so I wanted to bring that in to not only give the athletes some insight into why we were going to start training the way we were training, but how it was going to affect them on the ice. So that those are a couple of the big additions that we've made. And, um, you know, to build off of what Nelson was doing here, I think that that's been a, a big step for us to try to to make sure that we're doing things the right way and for a specific reason. Well, that's great, because obviously without the players believing and buying in none of those monitoring systems are going to be effective at all yeah agreed and um you know one of the things i think you you have when you when you move through the the league whether it's the nfl or you, you jump from an nfl team to another nfl team or an nhl team to an nhl team is that the players talk to each other and so you know i had a good reputation with the players that i'd worked with in the past so i had something going for me um, the fact that I had been an athlete growing up and I have, you know, some experience understanding what these guys are going through as athletes, you know, that, that was all going for me when I got here. But again, at the end of the day, if they don't trust you and what you're telling them and why you're telling them to do it, you're right. The technology doesn't matter. So, so I'm, we're using that to help build the, the trust with those athletes and bridge those gaps where, where we may have had some issues with guys, you know, not wanting to do certain things because they thought it was going to make them slower or uh, make them sore and things like that. So it's, it's been a, uh, you know, like I said, a transition, but it's been a good one. Yeah. And then talking about transition, obviously now at the time when we're recording this, this is all star break. So you're kind of in the middle of a transition period. So, how are you handling these guys when they're away? What are you guys mm-hmm. looking at, like, communication-wise, training-wise? Or is this something where, I mean, it, these guys do a lot, and they're skating a lot, and they're, they're getting hit a lot. Is it almost oh, yeah. like you just send them home and you're like, take a break, boys, and come back in a couple weeks? Yeah, well, you're right. So one of the things, so we are transitioning into the second half of our season here. We're making a push to to uh, make a playoff push here. So one of the things that uh, that we need to do, and I think that that we need to be better at, is recovering. Um, like you said, guys are getting slammed into the boards. They're getting crunched by other guys, and um, you know, blocking shots and 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 doing things that they need to do to to play the right way. But that takes a toll on their bodies. And so what uh, what we've done this this All Star break is we've sent out um, some information to the athletes on regeneration, as far as movement regeneration, sleep, nutrition, and we've really tried to emphasize the sleep and nutrition aspect of that because we want them refreshed when they come back. And we, we once we get into February here, I think we have 18 games in 28 days, and uh, every weekend we have a back to back. So that training schedule is going to be fairly non-existent so what we need to make sure that we're doing is really managing that recovery from from the train the practice schedule 
the game schedule and the travel schedule because that's going to be extremely dense going into February. Yes, and then, of course, hoping that that lasts another month, two, three. Exactly, right. And we're, we're forecasting for May and June. So uh, at the end of the day, if we can recover well now and we can start to train when, when we have the opportunity to train and train the right way, Hopefully we can make that push going into the, the playoffs. And, and, you know, once you make the playoffs, you never know what can happen. So that, that's our end goal here. Yeah, of course, because, you know, any, once you get in, it's been shown recently in the playoffs, right? I mean, oh, yeah. anybody can make it. Yeah, I think the L.A. Kings are a great example. I think the, the first year they won the Stanley Cup, I think they made it in as the, the second wild card. And I could be wrong about that, but I think they, they squeaked into that second wild card and, and just made a run and, and won the Stanley Cup. So I think once you get in, anything can happen. And, and if you can peak at that point, it doesn't really matter what we're doing in January or December. If we can get in and we can start peaking uh, physically, I think that's where you can really start to, to see the, the fruits of your labor at, you know, from August and July. A thousand percent. And then let's start running down that rabbit hole. August sure. and July, because that's yep. so far away from May. Right. Um, yep. And, and it's such a long season. So how are you handling these guys in their, in their preseason, in their prep when they're away? And what are, what are, how are you evaluating these guys? And, and how does that fit in with management overall with the whole program? Yeah. So great question. So I guess – to, to get into that, I think I should give you a little bit of uh, uh, insights into kind of how how our structure is now. So, um, first of all, I want to, you know, I, I, my former assistant who has uh, just taken the head job with the New York Mets has been a big part of what we've been doing over the past three or four years. He was uh, Nelson's intern. Um, and then my first year here, he became my full-time assistant. And so I, I have to credit him uh, for a lot of how we operate. Um, but as of now, uh, I oversee directly 25 to 26 athletes on a daily basis at the NHL level. And then I indirectly oversee another 60 or so athletes, uh, whether they're American Hockey League or uh, prospects uh, at, at the junior or the collegiate level. And, and, and that comes through remote monitoring and, and communication with their uh, strength and conditioning people and, and the people that they work with. So um, I have a big job of overseeing all of that. Um, so going back into July and August and June in, in, in the offices and training, we really placed a, a strong emphasis on individualizing our prescriptions for our guys because we had so many athletes to look after and so many athletes that have uh, unique needs and unique training experiences um, that we needed to individualize our programming. And so that was kind of our, our biggest hurdle was to be able to take the time to, to determine what their needs were both metabolically and mechanically, and then to figure out how we were going to train those athletes individually, not only to, to be stronger, more robust, resilient and, and better hockey players, but how we can make them better at their positions based off of their needs and the, the key indicators from the sport. So, um, you know, that, that's a definitely a, a rabbit hole we can go down, but that's just a little bit of background on, on where we're at now. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a part of that uh, growing process of understanding, you know, these guys are going to be different than the guys I had in Vancouver and our travel schedule is different than it was in Vancouver. And so understanding, you know, this defenseman might need this because of other experiences that I've had with defensemen. 
and he might need to, to metabolically improve here because of what we see in practice. But there's going to be a whole host of other issues that we have to address to go along with that, to holistically um, make this guy more effective on the ice. Sensational. And I, I, there's a couple rabbit holes I want to run down here. So I've got to make sure that I write the second one down so I don't miss it. But the first one, and this is something that always is intriguing to me. You mentioned uh, twice in that last answer, I believe, uh, some KPIs. Mm-hmm. Now, how have you identified uh, performance indicators for hockey? Mm-hmm. And what ones, if you can share it, if you can't share it, I understand. But yeah. what ones are you looking at for certain players and how is that impacting what you're doing? Yeah, uh, great question. Yeah, so I've, I've been really lucky um, to have some way smarter people than I uh, analyze in-game statistics uh, at the Canucks and in, in San Jose and in, in uh, St. Louis here. And uh, coincidentally, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but coincidentally, they've all had a very similar agreement on certain game um, statistics that determine successful athletes within the positions. So for example, a defenseman uh, may be very successful if they have a high rate of zone denials or or uh, zone entry denials. They may also be considered very successful if they have a high percentage of loose puck recoveries. And so as an example, what we did was we started to look at, okay, if these defensemen uh, can have this sort of statistic in game that makes them considered the best in their position. Can we look at how they move and the quality of their movement to determine how we can train our athletes more effectively to exhibit those same types of physical qualities? Um, so we started to look at those statistics and we, and we looked at the athletes in those positions that had those and through our force plates and, and through our metabolic uh, loads that we were taking from practices and on ice uh, events, we were able to start to see some trends in those athletes that had a very similar way of moving, a similar metabolic um, output. And we started to think about how we can start to profile for those guys in those positions. And, um, you know, through the force plate tech, through the heart rate data, through some of the other wearables that we had access to, we started to create what we called um, profiles. And we just gave it that name because we didn't know what else to call it. Um, but that's kind of uh, how we started to identify you know, what a defenseman looks like, what does a centerman look like, what does a goalie look like, and, and how do they differ, and what are their needs physically to, uh, you know, to train them on so that they excel in those positions. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that so many people talk about and try to come up with things, but no one ever has, like, a real answer. Yeah. You know, you know what I think it is? I think it – I think it's having some, some really smart people around to help. And, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I did this all on my own or if all of these were all uh, novel ideas coming out of my brain. So I, I'm not going to claim that. But I've had, uh, I've had really, really good conversations with other strength and conditioning professionals, other sports science people, and a, a, a ton of data analysts that, that have helped prompt some of these ideas and, and have in, in some capacity played a part in, in what we're doing now. So, you know, I, I don't want to lie and say these are all my ideas here, but um, what I've been really focused on is trying to get really, really good at being an applied practitioner so I can somehow bridge that gap between the art of coaching and the sports science to create some sort of method for our athletes. I love it. And now going back to that last question prior 
the next thing that really caught me is talking about the guys that you've got in the developmental program. So now we're talking about your AHL club. We're talking about kids that are playing in college and kids that are playing in juniors. You've got three exceptionally vastly different situations because who knows what a kid in Banff might have right. versus what a kid is doing at Minnesota or Wisconsin or BC versus whatever a guy might be doing in the AHL. So how do you, knowing that this is literally the lifeblood of your, your organization, right. how do you communicate with these other coaches and how open are they to working with people like that? Like that could be something that if you get the wrong guy, and typically this tends to be something that younger coaches do. Like when you get old and gray and fat like me, we're more excited to talk to people that are in the higher ups. Um, but it, like the egos and people like fighting. Well, no, I mean, uh, Johnny's got to do this instead. And it's like, well, no, we're, we want to pay him $10 million. So if you want to help, like, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that is a, I guess that's one of the, the harder uh parts of of our job here in st louis um you know to to give you some perspective on on that and you know we we do have a variety of experiences we have some athletes that come out of the, the ncaa level and typically those athletes are are actually our most advanced um, training age obviously they're working with strength and conditioning coaches they have the support of their athletic department and and those guys are the guys that are typically giving us, um, I guess, the easiest road to improvement um, because they have those experiences. I think where we, we find that we run into issues is when we have athletes that are coming from Europe um, and, and some of the, the major junior players because we don't necessarily have the, the, the ability to see what these athletes are doing on a regular basis. And, and that can create some issues with uh, uh, you know how we – um, prescribe our interventions to those athletes when we see them, because we don't know who they're training with. Um, we don't know if they're training with anybody. And at the end of the day, it's our job to make sure that we give them the resources that they need to get better based off of what our expectations are. So it's definitely um, one of the harder aspects to uh, what we do. Um, one of the, the ways that we do that, and we try to make it as, as efficient as we can, is we use some of the force plate data that we're able to get from them when we see them in, in St. Louis or, or at our prospects camps and we, we create programs to um, try to make sure that we're addressing their individual needs. And we use some of the, the data that we've had from our, our athletes in St. Louis to drive some of the progressions. Now, again, that's going to be a little bit more guesswork because we don't know if their needs change quickly or slowly, or if they're progressing faster than we were expecting. So we, we have to guess a little bit, um, but that's, that's certainly the, the most difficult situation, um, you know, to, to go back and answer your question on uh, the relationships we have with other strength coaches, what, what we've been able to do, I, I think that's been helpful for us in, in navigating some of these relationships with the, the strength and conditioning professionals that our athletes use in the off seasons and, and, and remotely is that we've been able to give some of a little bit more objective reasoning behind what we're seeing and giving some um, a little bit more guidance, I guess, uh, on why we're asking 
certain things to be focused on rather than just saying, hey, where are the blues and you should be doing what, what we're telling you to do because this guy plays for us. It's more about uh, a relationship with that, that strength and conditioning professional who spends uh, every day with them in the offseason and has a unique perspective on what, what their athletes are able to do and, and, and blending that program with, with what we see uh, with some of our objective monitoring. And I think that's been a really helpful way of going about these relationships. And, and hopefully we continue to get better and better. And at the end of the day, you know, they're our partners. They're, they're part of our organization because they look after the athletes that play for the St. Louis Blues and that are drafted by the Blues. So, we, you know, I consider them partners of ours. I, I don't consider them, you know, independent or, uh, you know, a private guy. They're just, they're part of our organization and, and they play a part in our success. That's awesome because I think, again, all too often there, there, there tends to be kind of that headbutting between the, the guy and the team, you know, at, at different high-level situations. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, if communication's there, I don't think it has to be that way. Um, uh, you know, for me, I, I've, I've worked in the private sector. I know what it's like to work with athletes in the offseason. And, you know, I think it's a not only is it a very difficult job, but it's also, um, you know, a very uh, effective time period for those athletes to really focus on some of the things they can focus on without having to worry about playing their sport. So I, I think that's, a, you know, if you if you can communicate well and you have a good relationship there, you as the strength coach for that team, you're going to, you know, be looked at as a, as successful because your organization doesn't care about, you know, who they train with. They just care that they're ready to go when they're there. So building that relationship and that ability to, um, you know, value those, those practitioners, I think it's huge. No, I completely agree. Especially if it's something where you're working in conjunction with them throughout the entire season, it really does end up being what's best for all parties involved. Yeah, 100%. So then let me get you out of here with this then, Eric. Where, where can people you know, see more of what you're doing, learn more about these practices you're building, and, and understand better like all of this? Because there's so much in here that, you know, listening to how you break this down, I don't care if it's basketball, soccer, hockey, table tennis, like finding what's important and then finding connections and measurables in the weight room. Like that's how these things are supposed to come about. So where can people learn more about what you're doing, follow you and all those things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've been pretty active on Twitter, I guess the last few months, just trying to, you know, share, share some of my experiences with, with others. And, um, you know, I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter probably way too much, I guess, <laughs> but, um, yeah, my, uh, I'm at Eric Renahan on Twitter. Um, I'm also accessible, uh, as often as I can be by email at, uh, E Renahan at stlblues.com. And, um, you know, those are, I, I try to, you know, because I was able to have people spend their time with me and, and help guide me. I, I try to offer that and, Again, I, it's, uh, I don't know that I'm sharing anything novel with people, but I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely open to sharing my experiences. And um, those are, the, I guess, the two ways that I can be reached most easily. Awesome, man. Well, can't thank you enough for the time. This is sensational. Keep up the awesome work up there, man. Like, it's really cool to hear how you guys are building all these things and how it's moving forward and how the guys are really buying in and getting better. It's absolutely sensational. 
Awesome. I appreciate it, Jay. This is a real pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time. People are going to love this. We'll have this up real soon, brother. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And a huge thank you to the St. Louis Blues, Eric Renegan, for spending the time with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing. A man breaking down exactly how he's building things and how they're trying to move forward as an organization and build KPIs to better their athletes. This is absolutely sensational stuff. Eric, I can't thank you enough, not just for being on and being so open and candid in your sharing, but also all the fantastic work that you're doing out there for those guys in St. Louis. It's absolutely sensational. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, guys, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.